The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Earlier this year, Cognolytica published our predictions and forecasts for the year 2020. Now, there are a lot of things we forecasted that we think are correct. There's some things that came completely out of the blue. <laughs> Nobody could have possibly forecasted a global pandemic. And as a result, you know, maybe a lot of other predictions get thrown out. But there are some predictions that we feel very strongly about that are still consistent because of the way the markets are changing. So we talked about one of those predictions. One of those predictions was that MLOps, machine learning ops or machine learning operationalization management, is something that's going to become a trend in 2020. Right. So we had talked about how companies were going to go from mostly building models to now consuming models. And then with that comes a whole world of model management. And how do you go about doing that? So we spent a little bit of time on that podcast, our predictions podcast. And then since then, we've had a few great guests on, including Dot Science. And we also have a podcast coming up with the folks from Modzi as well. But, you know, we wanted to spend some time on this podcast today going over what is MLOps and why is it important now and why should companies start thinking about that? So as Ron mentioned, Cognolytica at the end of February produced our ML model management and operations report. And so we're going to spend some time today going over some key findings that we found, but also, you know, helping our listeners understand why they should care. Well, and most importantly, understand what is MLOps. That too. <laughs> because the term is fairly new. And it gets wrapped around a lot of other things that have ops in the name. So there's mm -hmm. DevOps. There's also this other thing that's unrelated called AI ops, which is confusing because AI and ML are very similar. And then, of course, there's IT ops. But there's something very specific with MLOps. Let's get into it. And I think maybe we should actually first start the story a little bit with the story of DevOps. And if you're not familiar with DevOps, DevOps obviously is the combination of two words. It's developers, you know, stuff that's for development-oriented activities, and IT operations. So the IT part gets dropped. It's not Dev IT Ops. <laughs> yeah. Although... There has been, in the last year, the addition of the word SEC, security. So sometimes people like to think not just in terms of dev and ops, but development security operations. So that way, it's implied that supposedly, if you're doing development, it's done in a secure way. But that's a whole other story. We will not get into DevSecOps, because the thing that you'll find a lot more out there is about this idea of DevOps. And DevOps, which, you know, for the, anybody that's been in the developer community or maybe surrounded, might think that DevOps has been around forever. But it turns out that DevOps as a practice, as like a formal thing, really only came about in the last decade or so, you know, towards the end of the last decade mm -hmm. is when DevOps really became a thing. And DevOps is a combination of a few things. Well, some of it is like established processes, like there's a methodology for doing iterative development, for doing iterative testing, sometimes continuous development, continuous testing, continuous provisioning and getting, especially in the environment of the cloud, getting servers up and pulling servers down and managing them and doing all that stuff. That's not technology specific. That's a methodology and a process and just sort of like a recipe, if you want to think of it that way. 
And the other part of DevOps are the tools. There was an emergence of a whole set of tools to help you do things like manage the continuous integration, manage the continuous testing, the continuous development, and manage those teams and manage all that sort of stuff. And people have gotten very, very comfortable with it. And a lot of the people have ascribed to a lot of the increased reliability of systems because not just we have better tools, but because we have better processes. And these processes do things like you know, nightly builds and nightly tests and continuous integration tests so that when some developer throws some code in there, they're hopefully not throwing a monkey wrench and developing <laughs> and, and destroying everything. So, so DevOps has been pretty popular. So one of the thoughts is that, well, we're building stuff with machine learning, so maybe we can apply some of this DevOps stuff to ML, right? Right. And so, you know, in theory, it sounds okay. But in practice, people have realized that there's some challenges with that. Because simply building a model and pushing it into operation isn't really how you go about doing it. So one, in general, you know, a lot of people struggle to even get their models into operation. And then you can't treat these models like code because they're not code, you know, in the traditional sense. So you can't take a traditional DevOps approach to getting this code into production or operationalized. Mm And the one big reason for that is because of data. And that is that you might have built some model, which was based on some training data, which you then take that model and then you put it into operation, which is where the operationalization thing comes from. And all of a sudden, it's not behaving as you would expect. And you'd be like, but we tested the code and the code worked great (laughs) on the training data. Well, obviously, that's because the data part is just as important, as a matter of fact, maybe more important to the operation of the machine learning model than the code itself, the model that was built, right? So there's a few things we need to do. We need to sort of add to this picture of DevOps. Now, there's nothing wrong with DevOps. We're not here saying, oh, DevOps, bye-bye DevOps in the world of ML. No, there's a whole range of things that we can do that works for DevOps that we can apply to ML so that we can include machine learning models as part of our DevOps processes as like, you know, first class participants. But there's a whole bunch of additional things that we need to do that are unique, that are specific to machine learning models that, we, that we're not going to do for mobile code and website right. code and server code and cloud. We're not going to do these things, but we're going to do these things for machine learning models. And we'll talk a little bit about those things. We'll walk over them, which is the things that have to do with managing the data, managing the model in operation, Mm -hmm. managing differences because things will change, and then dealing with some of the specifics of machine learning models because machine learning models are not deterministic, they're probabilistic, which means that they will never give you 100% 100 accuracy. Yeah, and we've talked about that a lot, but it's really important to remember that and understand that because when you are building code, it should be It should be 100% all the time, right? right? That's the idea. And if it's not, then there's a problem. The reverse is true Mm -hmm. with with machine learning. It's never going to be 100%. So if it is, maybe your data is, you know, there's an issue with your data and you need to look into that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, expect uncertainty, but be able to manage it. And that's really important. That's part of all this. It's managing for all that unpredictability. So we basically see like a grouping of like five general things that we're trying to do with MLOps. And we'll talk more specifically about the functionality. The one thing is we're trying to make our model development processes themselves more reliable. So reliable model development processes, just like we should be building models the same way. Nobody should be out doing something crazy, you know, <laughs> using a different toolkit, right? Different methods for doing maybe two different people do different hyperparameter optimization methods, and different using different auto ML tools. Who knows? Different data cleansing tools. 
you can certainly standardize that. It's like there's no reason to have that much variability. So we can that's part of the DevOps part of ML, standardizing tooling, standardizing process, that sort of stuff. The second thing is we need to models are constantly being well, versioned is the word that you might think of it for code and iterated, but really the a lot the word people might use is, is retraining, which mm-hmm. is basically you have this model. And now it starts, something's funky and I got to retrain it, which technically makes it another version, right? Right. And by funky, that could just be, you know, real world data is changing or, mm-hmm. you know, customers are changing or th- whatever the reason is, you know, things are not performing the same that they were before. I think that, you know, sometimes there's this myth that you build a model and then it's done and you just right. built it and it's good to go. And I think that... <laughs> People, developers as well, see this. It's like, well, I just, I build a mobile app and it's good to go. And it's like, "Mm, not really. There's a lot of things that constantly change. You want to constantly be adding things, adding new features, depending on what kind of website it is. You know, content could be changing. So it's not a build it and forget it kind of thing. Same thing with models. And I think that that's really important for people to understand that, you know, you build the model, but you can, your Mm -hmm. data changes over time and behaviors change and you need to make sure that you're constantly looking and evaluating and, you know, retraining if needed. Exactly. So it's, you might think of it as a development pipeline or a development process for building models, but there's also a retraining pipeline that people may or may not be familiar with. You have to actually build the retraining pipeline and the methodology and the approach for doing that. The other, other general categories of things we need to be worried about or concerned about, or at least thinking about, is we need to have increased governance and compliance. That is, if you're depending on a model for something important like loan decisions or facial recognition, okay, that you may be dealing with versioning the model, but like who is actually supervising what training data is being used, who's making decisions about all that, and who is basically in charge of really thinking through all the processes, doing the auditing, the logging, the controls, anything that's basically happening with the model in production. There's a decision pipeline, a compliance pipeline that needs to happen. And that's what we need to focus on. The other thing we need to worry about with models that are different is this whole idea of we need to just, we need to monitor the model. We need to know what the usage is like. We need to know how the model's performing. We have all these measures of model performance, model accuracy, model precision, all these things that allow us to determine whether or not the model is performing in reality. Well, we need a way to actually keep an eye on those things, and we need to keep an eye on those things in the context of the data that it's operating on. So it's, it's one thing to say, oh, the model is performing 72% accuracy, but you need a reason. Like, why is it performing that way? And visibility into the data is important. And then finally, we need a way to basically improve overall model security, which is access to the models, making sure that training data sets aren't getting tainted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, and that people who shouldn't have access to these are not getting access. That's very important, you know, because same goes with model versioning. You want to make sure you're working on the correct model and you want to make sure that people aren't doing something funky to this. And then you're like, oh, wow, there you go. that was actually, yeah. you know, we were using that. Especially if it's a big shared model that like many insurance companies are all mm-hmm. using, then that could be a problem. So we describe these sort of in general categories, but there's specific kinds of the specific functionality that you might expect from the emerging set of MLOps tools and solutions. Because now, because you can imagine whenever there's a problem, there's going to be a bunch of companies coming around with solutions. And so now these solutions come into these categories. And not all vendors have all of these capabilities. So we'll we'll go into what some of these, as we were doing our research, we found these capabilities kind of group themselves into features that map somewhat to the areas that we were just talking about. 
Right. And as Ron mentioned, you know, we dig deeper into our report, who has what, and we cover about 20 companies or so in the report. So we encourage you to get that if you're interested in this and we'll link to it in the show notes. But it is important because you need to look at these different companies and what they're offering and say, okay, you know, is this important to me? Is this not important to me? Do I want this to be important to me in the future? And do they offer it? So that part of it is important to make sure that you're understanding, you know, and if you don't understand, then dig deeper and ask some of these important questions. But like Ron said, we have, you know, some things that are very different. So we need to look at model governance, model Mm -hmm. versioning, model discovery, model transparency, which is a big thing that we talk Mm -hmm. about, model security, and then model monitoring as well. So what does this all mean? Mm -hmm. So part of it is just the DevOps part, which is the model lifecycle management. We talked about that. That's the model development, the training, the retraining, the deployment, everything that's about pushing stuff, developing stuff and pushing it out Mm -hmm. and then fixing it. (laughs) It's like, that's part of the life cycle, right? It is part of the life cycle. And it's also important to point out, as I had talked about earlier, just doing that in and of itself can be difficult. So that is not to be underestimated. Right. And the reason why we mentioned that is because there's a bunch of companies that are coming into the MLOps space that come from the DevOps universe. That's their center of gravity. And so if you look at those tools, they'll be really, really strong here and managing that model lifecycle, which is important, but it's, now we're going to say it's not complete. The second cluster of functionality is around model versioning and iteration. These are capabilities and functionality that can operationalize different versions. Maybe you want multiple versions operating at the same time mm-hmm. in different environments. Maybe you have now, models that... why would you want that, talk right? talk about that. Yeah. So maybe you want that because different models perform differently and better with different data. So you can say, well, version three performs really good for this set, Mm -hmm. but version 12 performs really good for Mm -hmm. this set. So I don't want to just scrap everything that I've done in the past, but I need to know which version to use. And that's why it's so important. Maybe there's a version of the model that has the same training data, but one was made more efficient for a mobile, an edge use case. Maybe one's for a cloud-based server use case. Well, they're different. (laughs) They're different. So there's a bunch of tools out there that can help you sort of manage multiple versions for the same training data set, different training data sets, you know, different for different users, different kinds of access, different kinds. And you can actually Mm -hmm. have visibility into all that sort of stuff. It can get very complicated very quickly. I was just going to say, I was just going to say that because, you know, you think about how, okay, we're talking about maybe a dozen models that you've built and you're like, well, okay, I can kind of manage this. But say that your company's built 100 models and you've now purchased 300 models Uh and you're iterating on those models, that gets out of control Mm -hmm. really quick. And if you don't have a place that can manage this and help everybody see the versions and have some sort of control in place, things can go haywire very quickly. Yes, indeed. So the next aspect of functionality is this whole idea of model monitoring and management, the tools that can tell you how are these models performing you know, in the real world? Right. You know, what is their different performance behaviors? And it monitors two things. Actually, one thing we want to monitor is something, this thing called model drift, which is a term you might hear, which is that over time, the models might seem to perform worse and worse. And the same thing is it tracks data drift, which is that the data that some, maybe there's some characteristic of the data that itself is drifting over time. So effective model monitoring and management tools will basically 
check both of those things. Mm -hmm. Another area that we focus on in this is model governance. So you need to make sure who's going to have access and access control, prioritizing model access, who gets what, what data is used in this. You want to make sure that there's some transparency as well into how these models use data. So where is this data coming from? How Mm -hmm. often is it cleansed? When was the last time that you added new data? You know, depending on how your company is running this, that can change for everybody, but you need to make sure that that's being documented somewhere. And then also there could be some regulatory or compliance needs for Mm -hmm. these model usage, especially in heavily Mm -hmm. regulated industries, healthcare, finance, insurance, Mm -hmm. you know, government usage. So that's important to know as well. Right. And then this is something new, but as organizations produce more models and as they start consuming more models, organizations might not actually have visibility into all the models that are in the organization or outside. And so the idea of model discovery or a model catalog or model registry, they're all kind of in that same idea. Some of these MLOps tools will provide that, either a catalog or registry of all the models that are built in the organization, maybe a curated model, or maybe a list, maybe even third-party And why that's important, too, is that People can build models in silos and, you know, department A may not be talking to department B or department F Mm -hmm. and you might not even know that that model was built. So if you don't have an area that's covering all this and being able to track and monitor all this, you could just be duplicating effort unnecessarily, especially. And so building it internally is one thing. But then when you're purchasing it, I mean, let's hope you didn't purchase the exact same (laughs) model twice because you didn't know. Right. But also (laughs) even comparing these models. If you have these other things, you can actually see the performance of these models. You say, like, okay, well, this model might have this accuracy against whatever their data set, but for whatever reason, against our own data set, it's performing very poorly. So it allows you to compare these things too. Even if somebody has built a model, you could say, dudes, why is this model not doing so well? And maybe you can convince that organization maybe to expand the training. Exactly. <laughs> Plural dudes with a capital with a Z at the end. Zoods. And then finally, really, there's tools for managing. These are a lot of the, the cybersecurity aspect of model protection, protecting them against service attacks, not just the models against attacks, but the training data, protecting that against attacks protecting, you know, hyperparameter configurations against mm-hmm. attack. It's kind of crazy. You have to protect that whole universe, the model itself, the training data, the, the configuration data, all that sort of stuff. And that is cert- last, but certainly not least, because that is not to be overlooked. That is a very important mm-hmm. aspect. So in our report, basically, we track the vendors the, and the solution providers. It's actually, there's two open source solutions as well for MLOps, and we track them all. And we expect this to be a massive area of growth. It's like, I'm expecting, I think by the next year, the number of vendors will probably double in this space, most likely. And we made some predictions as to how this market is actually going to grow over time, right? Right. So as we said, you know, the ML ops definite like term itself is fairly new. And so is the concept. Mm-hmm. So it's a nascent market right now. And in 2019, it was about $350 million. But we're projecting that by 2025, it's going to be an almost $4 billion market. Mm-hmm. So this is going to grow very rapidly, very quickly. And in the next few years, everybody is going to be talking about and thinking about this. Yeah. And we're going to probably continue talking about it. I think you'll you'll hear some more podcasts. We'll do some webinars. We're doing a webinar series. So keep an eye open for that. As well as, you know, definitely if you're interested in more, this is part now of our training, our CPMAI training, the virtual training that we do. So if you're at home and listening to this right now, you could sign up for our virtual training. 
And basically, you know, we include this in our whole section on operationalizing machine learning. And this is a new space. And definitely encourage you, if you're interested in digging deeper, get a copy of the report, which is on the Cognilitica site, which is C-O-G-N-I-L-Y-T-I-C-A.com. And just generally, I think if you're interested in this space, if you're looking for gaps to fill yourself in this area, building tools and technology, this is kind of where the edge of innovation is. Right. So, you know, we've had a few podcasts on this. Like we said, we encourage you to listen to those. We also have a training. So you can go to cognolitica.com slash training to find all of our upcoming live instructor-led virtual trainings. That's always a great place to get more information. And we're also launching a webinar series as well. And we will have a few podcasts focused specifically on some of the tools, technologies, and vendors in the MLOps space. So check out our website for that. And we'll also put a link in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for listening. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. Also reach out to us if you have any questions about this or if you have any topics for upcoming shows. We always like to hear from our listeners. So thank you to the ones that have reached out. And thanks for listening. And we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.